This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. I am your host, Tate Frazier, and we got a good show for you today. We're talking about hockey again. We got our girl, Katie Bakes, coming on. Katie Baker, of course, of the Ringer. She's going to break down what's going on in the final four of the NHL playoffs. And also, we're going to have my old friend, Tyler Hansbro of North Carolina fame and of Indiana Pacer fame, come on the show, talk about the coaching carousel and just some you know big-picture basketball topics in general. Again, this is Through the Ringer. Let's get to Katie Bakes right now. Welcome back into Through the Ringer. I am your host, Tate Frazier, and we have a recurring guest here on Through the Ringer. She is the Ringer's very own Katie Baker, a.k.a. Katie Bakes, and we're talking NHL playoffs. Katie, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Hello. How How is uh, Mr. Carolina feeling right now? I'm, I'm a little excited. You know, obviously we're going to talk about the NHL here, but we got the NBA lottery, you know, odds last night. Um, I felt something, Katie Bakes. You know, that that's all you can ask for in the world of NBA basketball when you're one of these local small teams. So uh, just to feel something again is great. We didn't get Wimby, but, you know, we're not completely out of the race. We might get Scoot Henderson, might get Brandon Miller. So, uh, you know, as a Carolina guy and as a Carolina Hurricane, um, I'm pretty excited about how things are things are going right now. So who who would have thought? And Bryce Young, right? It's a good time to be uh, someone who is a fan of anything Carolina, which we'll take that. Um, let's talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs because we started with 16 teams. We are down to four teams. I like to call them the Frozen Four. I know that's a college term, but I still like it. Um, the record-setting Boston Bruins, the number one overall seed, the team that everybody loved, they got ousted in the first round by the Florida Panthers. The defending champs, the Colorado Avalanche, the team that some thought could go back and repeat. Um, they were knocked out and upset by the Seattle Kraken. And now we have the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers in the East, the Dallas Stars taking on the Golden Knights in the West. Um, and Katie, before we get into those specific matchups, can I just get your reaction to first Boston losing and what are the betters going to do now that they don't have their odds on favorite and, and what's it going to look like moving forward? Well, it's funny. I, I'm sure a lot of the people that were betting on Boston, you know, moved to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second round, and now they're out too. And so, um, 
Yeah, I I think, um, you know, some of that's also kind of moving to teams like Carolina, Dallas, um, that sort of came into the playoffs without as much of a buzz, um, but are, you know, now part of this little Sunbelt Cup that we have going on. Yeah, who would have thought this is where we end up? And as we look at the Eastern Conference, right, we got the Carolina Hurricanes, and FanDuel has the odds for us, so they're minus 145. We got the Florida Panthers at plus 120. I'll ask you a simple question. Who do you like in this series? Obviously, Vegas and the odds makers seem to like the Carolina Hurricanes, but what do you forecast in this one? Well, I think for starters, both of these are going to be close. Um, while it's tough to say this, I kind of am leaning toward Florida in this one. Um, I just think Carolina really, you know, part of the reason they ca- they came into the playoffs without much buzz is because they had such drastic injuries, like two of their three top leading scorers from last year got another big injury in the playoffs. They've been playing really well um, as a team. They've got, I think, 14 players that have scored goals in 11 games. And um, that said, you know, it's tough to keep that up over the course of what could be two more really long, uh, you know, series. So the Florida Panthers, I just think, are an interesting team. They were a, you know, President's Cup winner last year. Um, they've got some young players or some, you know, kind of not so young anymore, young to me players like Alexander Barkov that I think can still find another level um, going forward. And so, you know, I, I, I can kind of see them really taking this as their opportunity to step up, you know, after having a year where they beat the Bruins, for example, and, you know, take that opportunity and run with it. Yeah, and that first game is tonight, Thursday night on TNT. That'll be happening at 8 Eastern. So get ready for that one. That's going to be a fun series. We can flip to the Western Conference now because we look at these odds. You got the Vegas Golden Knights there at minus 135. You got the Dallas Stars that are plus 110. Um, Katie, I look at this series for whatever reason. I feel like Vegas—they're kind of my favorite, you know, from the outside bird's eye view that I have as I'm watching the the NHL playoffs. But in this series, can you buy into the Stars a little bit, or do you believe in the Knights? So going into the playoffs, like in the first round when we last spoke, I was pretty high on the Stars, um, and I still am for the same reasons. They are another team that has a ton of experience. Um, and that said. Um, you know, at the start of the season, I did a big Jack Eichel profile. He came from the Buffalo Sabres um, where he had, you know, they had very high hopes for him. He had neck injuries, kind of did not get along with the team at the end. Um, so he's got like a big chip on his shoulder and he's really been coming alive in the playoffs. Um, and so I, I kind of think we can continue to see that. They're a fun team to watch, really, you know, both at home and on the road. And um yeah, I mean, I think like with Vegas, a big thing is their defensive depth. They just shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, Dallas has the edge in goaltending, I would say. Um, that said, their goalie has kind of shown that he can be rattled. He hasn't been like totally stalwart this postseason. So, right. you know, I, I think this could be a fun one um, and it could go either way. But I'm I'm going with uh, with the Knights, too, on this. Yeah, and I I will say just after that Kraken series, going seven games, that was a hard-fought series, two really tough teams, so maybe the Stars are kind of, you know, licking their wounds a little bit after that one. All right, so now we got the Stanley Cup Finals odds. Um, You know, this is just the outright betting as you, you know, look ahead at the futures. So now we got my Carolina Hurricanes. They are the favorites, which I'm a little bit – I don't don't even know if I like that, Katie, but they're at plus 200. You got the Vegas Golden Knights at plus 240, the Dallas Stars at plus 300, and the Florida Panthers at plus – 
plus 350, but kind of shows there's no real, you know, standout favorite at this point, obviously, once we lost the Boston Bruins. But who do you like in that group to go ahead and, uh, you know, as we forecast the future, win the Stanley Cup? Well, this is going to be at odds with my eventual, some of my cons, my thoughts. But, I mean, I think it'd be mm. fun to see a, like a Florida-Vegas final. Um, and so I'm going to say, if that were the case, um, and I think let's, uh, well, this is a tough one, actually. I could see this being Florida's year. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go with that one. Um, I don't know. Just kind of, kind of feels right. I mean, I think, I think especially if you're looking for, you know, you know, I guess there's only four teams left, so none of them are, seem to have really significant odds, but, um, it's, it's intriguing to me. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, they, they have the team with plus 350. They have the most value probably left, obviously, um, in front of us. And, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's always funny when you see Florida teams win, you know, the Stanley Cup. So I like that. I like I like the zag there with the Florida Panthers. And then you mentioned the Consumite Trophy. We got the odds here in front of us. We got Sebastian Ajo at plus 650. He's the favorite uh, from the Hurricanes. The guy that I like, though, Katie Baker, and I'll throw him at you, Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, that is my guy. He is always a character. He's always in the mix. He's at plus 1,000. But as you look at uh, you know, the Conn Smythe trophy and the odds there, is there anyone that stands out to you that you think will be the one who holds that trophy in the end? I like the Bob Rossi idea just because he really has shown in the past that he can kind of be that, you know, that goalie that steals games. And, you know, he's not very far removed from that. Um, the one that I'm intrigued by, which is not on the list, so sorry if I'm going going off the board here, but um, the defenseman Brent yeah, Burns like on Carolina. And like I said, this goes against my my pick of Florida. But if you're looking for value, um, you know, the numbers I've seen for him are like 2000, 1700, like that area. And I just think if Carolina, you know, were to advance, um, it would be in large part because of him, you know, shutting down Florida's offense and. He plays a ton of minutes. He's kind of one of those guys that's been in the league for a while. He was on the San Jose Sharks for a long time. Everyone loves him. You know, these are human voters that, you know, sometimes are just voting for, you know, the guy that they get the vibes from. So I, I could see Brent Burns being just a fun little value play, um, if that's the if that's the terminology. I think it is, and I like that you go off the board there. Matthew Kachuk is another guy that you know yeah. the Panthers traded for last offseason. Um, I wanted to focus on him. He's at plus eight hundred, and you know how did this trade go down last offseason? I feel like a lot of people maybe need to get their memory refreshed on how he ended up in Florida. Yeah, so they, uh, I believe they traded Jonathan Huberto and kind of a package. And um, Kachuk's a really fun one because he he just has like that great personality. Like you could see him after Florida advanced and they interviewed him and um you know he doesn't he understands that they're going to be sort of an overlooked team and I think he finds that exciting and um you know he's a kachuk which in the NHL is a you know legendary name and um so he I was I feel like he's someone else that like if Florida does advance it would likely be in large part I would think because of his contributions so you know that's he's a fun one to like root for personally as well just um rabble rouser and a confident guy 
Yeah, absolutely. He uh, He's one of those guys that can steal the headlines, probably has some high Q scores, right? And, uh, you know, if you believe in the Florida Panthers like Katie Baker, maybe you take him there, the cons, my thoughts, at plus 800. Um, one last story I want to hit in the NHL, NHL world before I let you go. Obviously, we got the playoffs ahead. Um, like I said, you can watch the Hurricanes tonight. That's going to be a fun game one there. But um, uh, in more somber news in the world of the NHL, especially if you're someone who is a fan of the Arizona Coyotes, um, they struck down – um, the, uh, the 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 pro- proposition right to build a new arena there in Arizona. There's always been some kind of back and forth, some turmoil, but it looks like Gary Bettman and the a- NHL will be looking probably for a new home for this franchise. So I wanted to throw that out to you. I don't have any odds. I haven't I haven't tried to you know put this up. I'm sure Fanduel will eventually do this. But if you had to look ahead and say what fits right for a franchise in the NHL, what city makes the most sense? There's been Salt Lake City right that's been thrown out, Quebec. City has been thrown out. Um, even Kansas City. Some people saying maybe Pat Mahomes wants to bring an NHL team to Kansas City. But Katie, for you, where do you see the Coyotes going, and, and what does that look like in the future? Well, first of all, it's just kind of wild to sit here and think about how long this Arizona Coyotes arena issue has gone on. Like I found an old article I wrote a decade ago in 2013, where I make reference to the wow. fact that it had already been going on for a long time. So. Um, you know, this this recent roadblock, though, really seems like it's kind of a um, one that might actually like cause a move. And, you know, you mentioned Salt Lake City. I've seen that one that sort of really started to pop up today as um, a potential suitor. You know, they already have some sort of a facility and, um, you know, kind of in the same realm in the West, you know, in terms of not having to do any rejiggering. Um, It's interesting. Kansas City does always kind of come up as a contender in these conversations over the years. Quebec City does, too. Unfortunately, for the the good people of of that area, I don't know that the NHL is eager to um, to put a team there. Um, And I don't say that like I'm not the one making the decision, but I would say like I think the Salt Lake City thing is starting to have a little bit of legs. But again, it's it's kind of early and chaotic. as we're, you know, this, the vote just kind of got struck down yesterday and like a very, you know, mid, you know, um, off, off cycle election, uh, turnout. I mean, I think they sort of mishandled the, the way that they thought this referendum might go. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, there's always been there's already been some reports about Ryan Smith, who is the owner of the jazz meeting with Gary Bettman, you know, obviously. And like you said, they have an arena there in Salt Lake City. So uh, if you're trying to put two and two together, maybe that equals a situation where the NHL ends up in Salt Lake City. But um, I feel bad for Howler the Coyote. Like you said, this has been a saga, to say the least, in Arizona. Um, you know, you got the Tempe mayor coming out and talking about how appreciative he is of the experience and the time that the NHL had in Arizona. So it feels like a capper of source, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll stay on top of this story as it develops and, you know, we'll see what happens there with the NHL. She is the great Katie Baker. Katie, thanks so much for coming on the show, talking NHL. Where can we find the rest of your work on the ringer? Um, obviously, probably most likely the ringer.com, right? Yep. Ringer.com for all your uh, <laughs> succession and hockey and uh, et cetera needs. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Katie. We'll have you back. Thanks for having me. Take care. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide 
when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, joining us now is one of my favorite players in college basketball history and the most decorated North Carolina Tar Heel ever. He is about to be inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. He's a 2009 national champion. We can get into all the accolades later, but of course his name is Tyler Hansbro. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Hey, Tate, glad to be here, man. Uh, Thank you, and uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I got to ask because I, I saw the headline. It was Tyler Hansbro is going to be in this Hall of Fame class, and obviously you get all the flashbacks. That was uh, a very pivotal time in my life. But just for you, when you get that phone call and you kind of get told that you're going to be in the Hall of Fame, obviously you're still a young guy. How did that feel to get this honor so early in your life? Yeah, well, uh, it was kind of funny because the first thing uh, – that popped in my mind was, man, I'm kind of getting old. Uh, but, uh, no, I was extremely excited. Um, you know, it's as a, somebody who grew up in a small town, Popper Bluff, Missouri, and, uh, watching college basketball my whole life. I remember when my dad would take me and my brothers to watch the Mizzou and Illinois rivalry in St. Louis, which is about a three hour drive from Poplar Bluff. And, you know, to me, that was so big. And then uh, when Carolina started recruiting me, it was almost like it was almost too big of a, you know, it's Carolina was one of those programs that you just like kind of dream about playing at. And yeah. when they started recruiting me and uh, what I accomplished, and then I get the phone call to get into the Hall of Fame, it was, uh, it, it, it was amazing. But also, uh, as I said, somebody who grew up in a small town in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, this is a reflection of a lot of coaches, a lot of teammates, and a lot of people in the community who have helped me throughout the years. Uh, so I know my name will be attached uh, to the Hall of Fame, but also it represents a lot of other people in my life uh, that have helped me. Yeah, and in college, we obviously have these names, like I mentioned before, and you always see kind of these rumors that happen in the offseason with the NBA, right? I remember 2004, there was a big kind of hoopla about, you know, the Lakers were looking to hire potentially Mike Krzyzewski. And, you know, I remember Roy one time had an interview with an NBA franchise, right? And then Jay Wright, he's kind of yeah. meddled in that territory. Rick Pitino goes to the Celtics, right, and then comes back to college basketball. We've seen coaches in college make that jump to the NBA, but now it feels like 
like almost two different sports uh, when you talk about the coaches that are in college and the coaches that are in the NBA. How different, and, and, and is it even likely now that we'll see guys make that jump? It used to be something that was possible, but it feels now like it's a totally different game. It's totally different. And the, if I look across the college uh, basketball landscape and look at the coaches, the only coach who I think would probably leave for them, maybe Calipari, uh, mm-hmm. when I look at it, uh, cause he, he, you know, he, it just seems like he might be more of a NBA, uh, you know, type of coach, but the, the game is so different at the NBA level. And also, you know, I would speculate maybe that might be just a little bit of a recruiting tactic. Uh, you know, it, if you get buzz around a college coach, uh, you know, not taking the Lakers job, uh, and staying at, let's just say one of these big time programs, there's something to be said about that. From the outside, it looks like, man, this guy is loyal. Uh, we know he's not going anywhere. Uh, they just offered him a huge deal. But in reality, the NBA game is so different. You look at the turnover in these coaches, just you know, just this offseason. They fired Doc Rivers. They fired Nick Nurse. Uh, Monty Williams is out now. Uh, you know, Budenholzer at uh, Milwaukee's out. You know, these coaches in the NBA, they don't, they don't stay at programs long. And that's the other thing I'm starting to realize in college. They're starting to have some turnover kind of like the NBA, uh, but it it takes a while to turn over a college basketball program. If you go from – if you take a program uh, that's not doing well and you walk in there with a good coach, I don't care who it is, Patino Patino's going to have success pretty – not everyone's Rick Patino, but you right. take a coach and it's going to take them a while to turn over a program. At the NBA, you're expected – you know, if you're the next 76ers coach, you're expected to go and win a, maybe a title next year. Uh, you know, so it's it's just a totally different aspect, and it's more business at the NBA level. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the 76ers job, and I have to mention a guy who is now the favorite to get that job, and he's a guy that you played against in college. We'll talk about his senior night a little bit because that's one of my favorite memories. But J.J. Redick is the favorite right now to be the 76ers head coach. I'm not sure he's going to take that job. He's got a really popular podcast, got a you know a nice spot at ESPN right now. But how how much does that kind of exemplify what we're talking about, that we're in a world where you know you know they're just going to bring in someone like J.J. Redick because he probably handles the personalities of the players better than say a coach that's been coaching for 20 30 years something like that well yeah that is a good aspect and also there's a little bit of of me who who thinks maybe that some of these gms uh if they get a young guy they don't have to pay him a lot and they can have more uh pool or more say uh you know if you bring in pull or say what the GM wants the coach to do. So I think the GM, it gives them more power if they have an inexperienced coach or a young guy because they feel like they can influence them. If you bring in a coach uh, like Mike D'Antoni and you have a GM, do you think he's going to listen to the GM? No. He's had experience. He knows what how to win, what to win. It, there's not going to be a lot of influence I think the GM's going to have on a veteran coach who's had a lot of success. So I think there's an aspect uh, to having a young coach that a lot of people don't think about. But <laughs> I listen to J.J. I think J.J. has a lot of good thoughts and you know takes, and it would be interesting to me to see how that would translate and how receptive uh, those players would be because <laughs> you've, you've got to have a lot of respect to kind of you know get the attention or really push an MVP. And also James Harden, who's a vet. I mean, you're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to have a lot of respect for you. 
which gets me to the 2009 draft, which was, um, you know, a crazy draft. The Timberwolves had four first-round picks. They drafted three point guards. Then they drafted Wayne Ellington, another one of your teammates. You get drafted 13th right after the Charlotte Bobcats had the 12th pick, and they took Gerald Henderson right before you. Um, what did uh, what do you remember from the 09 draft, and how fun was it to have your teammates all kind of be there for that moment? Yeah, it was really cool. I remember Frazier was there, uh, a couple managers, and – you know, I had everyone. I had my parents, my older brother. Uh, yeah, it was a special moment for me um, to get picked. And also, it was it was really cool because Larry Bird picked me, a uh, small mm-hmm. town, uh, you know, basketball legend. And so uh, from that aspect, you know, I remember hugging my, my family. Uh, Coach Williams was there, hugging him. And, man, I had put so much work into that draft process. And I I saw my name from anywhere from, like, you know, late first round to early lottery. And I felt like we had, you know, the the draft workouts, I'd put myself in good position to get drafted right around the mid first round, maybe in the teens. Uh, And then I had an unbelievable workout actually for New Jersey. New Jersey had me in for two workouts and I thought there's a chance I might go there. They took Terrence Williams. Uh, And (laughs) I actually worked out for them a couple of days before the draft, which is, uh, kind of rare uh but uh yeah i was excited being at indiana you know i'm i'm a midwest guy from missouri so uh kind of close but not really uh so it was really cool and i was happy to be going to indiana yeah do you have a larry bird story because i know like you said was bird the one that called you and told you you were getting picked no i don't think bird called me i saw him uh, (laughs) the next day when i flew to indiana uh i i do one of my favorite bird stories is uh, when he was a GM for the Pacers, he never missed a home practice. He was at every home practice when I was on the team. And one day he came into the locker room. He said, the only the reason I come to these practices, I want you guys to know that I'm working and I'm here every single day and I see what you guys are doing. I don't want you ever to think that I'm not working. And that's one of my favorite stories uh, because I never saw that from any other GM. And uh, uh, I really respected that because mm. I could relate um tyler thanks so much for coming on the show man thanks for sharing some of your stories again the podcast is sleep hawk worldwide anything else you want to plug before we let you get out of here that's it i appreciate it tate glad to come on here with you yeah man we'll have you back again he is tyler hansbro getting in the hall of fame august 30th in chicago alongside some legends there and uh, we will have him back here on one shining podcast thanks again tyler thank you i'll see you There you have it, Katie Baker, Tyler Hansbro. I'm having a lot of fun on the show. I get to talk to Carolina alums, and I get to talk to some of my favorite people from The Ringer. You can't really beat that. Again, this is Through The Ringer, and we will see you back on Tuesday next week.